Our second lesson for this morning comes from Luke 6, beginning to read at verse 17. I'll be reading from the New Revised Standard Version, which happens to be the same version that's in the pews. Together, let us listen for the Word of God. Jesus came down with them and stood on a level place with a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea, Jerusalem, and the coast of Tyre and Sidon. They had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases, and those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured. And all in the crowd were trying to touch him, for power came out from him and healed all of them. Then he looked up at his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you, revile you, and defame you on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for surely your reward is great in heaven. For that is what their ancestors did to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you will be hungry. Woe to you who are laughing now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when all speak well of you, for that is what their ancestors did to the false prophets. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Caroline Lewis, a wise New Testament scholar, spent a fair amount of time in ink singing the praises of Schoolhouse Rock this past week. She says up front that she is dating herself. She says, growing up, I learned a lot of grammar and a decent amount of science, economics, history, mathematics, and civics, at least according to Wikipedia. On Saturday mornings, when Schoolhouse Rock episodes aired between cartoons in 19, from 1973 to 1984. She said, I didn't know this when I was watching Scooby-Doo and Bugs Bunny in 1974, but Schoolhouse Rock was an American interstitial programming series of animated musical educational short films. She says, all I knew was that I had a pretty good handle on conjunctions and adverbs and I can still sing most of the songs. She goes on to say that one of her favorite schoolhouse rock lessons was on interjections. Aw, rats, eek, wow. And if, like me, you are now humming that song, which I will not sing, in your head, you may have just dated yourself too. Or you are about to direct or act in an upcoming stage production of Schoolhouse Rock Jr. Or you are a parent or grandparent of a child who has rediscovered the wonder of these treasures from Saturday mornings decades ago. Today's text contains a series of interjections as Jesus, Jesus shifts from blessings to woes, or rather, one repeated interjection that does not appear on Schoolhouse Rock's list. Whoa. 
He's just commissioned the 12 disciples, selected out of a larger group of followers. They have come with Jesus down from the mountain into a waiting crowd where everyone wants a piece of him, it seems. They want to touch him and be healed. Simply being in his orbit is enough for some. Power emanated from him, as one translation reads. And then Jesus begins to preach what is known as his Sermon on the Plain. Unlike the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew, Luke has Jesus preach to the disciples from a level place rather than a lofty one. The moment itself is frenetic and exciting. Jesus is beloved and life is being transformed for multitudes before the disciples' very eyes. Who would not want to sign on for this job of following this one? But discipleship is not all about mass healings and throngs of adoring fans. Luke's first audience would know this all too well. When this gospel is being written, the early church is under attack, suffering relentless persecution for running afoul of the powers that be. Their main offense is professing Jesus as their Lord and Savior, titles ordinarily reserved for Caesar. So through the voice of Jesus, Luke encourages the church, fledgling and otherwise, to recall who she is called to be and what she is called to do, even when the larger world disagrees. Maybe especially when the larger world disagrees. As we gathered around a few tables in Davis Hall for Bible study this past Wednesday, we were quick to admit, most of us were, that the woes in this text make us uncomfortable. Because we happen to be a group who is rarely hungry, rarely poor in the way of material goods. And our conversation moved, faithfully, I believe, to discussions about how we look out for those who are hungry, for those who are weeping, for those who do not have the resources they need simply to survive. But if I'm honest, those woes still make me uncomfortable. There are moments when I wish Luke had just left them out. Matthew does not include them in his Sermon on the Mount, after all. Jesus is blessing those who weep, those who are hungry, and those who are poor is easier for me to swallow because I can feel good about my efforts to care for them, to make every effort to come alongside them, offering this holy promise of hope in Christ's name. I can hold those blessings at a safe distance when they don't apply to me. But those woes, it's hard for me not to get a bit defensive because the woes sting. They do catch my attention. And that's exactly what Dr. Lewis insists that interjections like woe are intended to do. She writes, Jesus is not about pitting blessings against curses or favor against judgment. Jesus is trying to get the disciples' attention. He's trying to get our attention. She might continue, Jesus is trying to get the church's attention, to shift our attention to kingdom concerns, concerns that too often get lost in the shuffle, people who too often get lost in the shuffle, people like Sura Sona. You may have read or heard something about his story this past week. On the day 12-year-old Sura Sona stole a bike, a police officer and the victim of the crime told him he should spend the rest of his life in jail. He's 12. 
Nearly a decade later, Sono was serving a 14-year prison sentence for several convictions of first-degree burglary. Sona grew up with Brandon Harris, Davidson College Class of 2022, Belk Scholar and two-time Student Government Association President. Friends were raised in Annapolis, Maryland, attending the same elementary and middle schools, living with families who love them. Sona and Harris traveled divergent paths. One had access to learning experiences and opportunities for mentorship. The other did not. An offer of a scholarship to a prestigious high school, for example, changed Harris's social circles and trajectory. In this past week, Harris sat in an Annapolis courtroom to witness his friends being released from prison. This release came on the heels of the courts being persuaded to reconsider Sona's sentence thanks largely to an independent study project Harris researched and wrote entitled Telling Stories of the Ignored and Forgotten. Harris says that he initially intended to explore multiple stories, but then decided that he needed to explore this one friend's story more deeply. And at the urging of his professor, Dr. Ike Bailey, this deeper exploration led Harris to send personal letters to Sona's 12 victims. He spoke with his family members and with police officers. And for his final presentation last spring, Harris sought and received permission from the governor of Maryland for Sona to appear via Zoom with him from prison. The experience has transformed both young men along with others who've come alongside them. Harris now sees the world differently, as does Sona. He says, the whole thing is amazing. I had a rough time growing up, and I will never forget my trials. But everything is a learning experience. Now I want to be a lifelong learner and lift others up as I lift myself up. I know greatness is in me. Brandon and Dr. Bailey and this whole experience have helped me look at life differently. By the larger world standards, it'd be easy to place Harris into the blessed category and view Sona as one who knows only woe, only struggle. Much like Jesus, Brandon Harris's work offers us a different take. Because Jesus, too, shows utmost concern for the stories of those who are ignored and forgotten. And he wants the disciples and us to attend to them too. And if I'm going to tell those stories, I have to find a way to set aside my defensiveness, to let down my guard and hear those stories first. Just about two years ago, churches everywhere scrambled to figure out how to do and be church when it was not safe to gather as we always had before. We learned how to do Facebook Live and YouTube and Zoom The virtual option could not fully do for us what gathering in person had, but it also opened doors for those who are not able to gather in this space for a whole host of reasons to be welcomed in for the first time or for the first time in a very long while. I'll confess that I didn't think about that or them when I scrambled to learn how to preach into an iPad in an empty sanctuary or from my living room. Late last month, an article circulated in which the author declared that it was time for churches to stop streaming now. Just stop. She argues that too many church members are too comfortable streaming from the sofa in PJs 
or joining in after the fact when it's convenient rather than making the effort to rejoin the worshiping community in person. Yes, we miss you when you are not here. And we would miss those of you who cannot join us in person at all due to health or safety concerns if we were to stop streaming our worship services. Is this hybrid approach ideal or perfect? No. Nor have I heard many voices claiming that it is. Does this model offer us a way to try to attend to and include those who have too often gone forgotten or overlooked? Yes. Not perfectly. But yes. I believe it does. No one knows exactly what the end of the pandemic will mean for churches. Yes, we will blessedly be able to retrieve some of the things we have been missing for the past two years. And we will be changed. We already are. It could be argued that the past two years have been one long interjection, a call to recall what truly matters, to savor the abundant blessings we may have taken for granted, and to remember in whom our hope and our salvation truly lie. Perhaps this extended interjection also offers a call to pay attention to the issues and divisions that have come to light. Or to notice the people I have too easily been able to ignore or forget. Perhaps our hearts and our eyes will be opened in a new way to see those the larger world ignores, to pay attention to the ones that the world would rather forget, to welcome those the world discounts. And by the grace of God, maybe we can be part of building a community that looks something like the kingdom that Jesus has had in mind all along. Wow. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.